Super Talk Mississippi media production. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Joel T. Coleman. Woo! Where the T stands for Tyson's uncle. Darn right it does. Who was that kid? Some kid turns around in the middle of the game. He's like, I know you looking in the press box. You're Tyson's uncle. Not your Joel Coleman, Starville Daily News. Not your Joel Coleman, Thunder and Lightning. Joel Coleman, Tyson's uncle. Choctaw County folks, man. I mean, y'all, y'all. We're a close bunch. Yeah, a tight-knit bunch there. I All believe right. it. Well, uh, there's going to be a tight-knit bunch of about 15,000 Bulldogs in Duty Noble Field next weekend. Mississippi State does indeed advance to the post uh, to the super regional round for the fourth straight year. Before we get into all that, and it's it's a good show today. We got a lot of we got not just baseball to talk about. I want to thank all of you guys for listening to us, however you're listening to us, and wherever you are listening from, including our great servicemen and women across the country. Hopefully, you get to come home at some point this week. Maybe see a little postseason baseball. You tell you tell the colonels and the majors and the captains that the general said. I got orders from the general. I got to go home for the weekend, Mississippi State baseball. But if, if your you, leave has been approved, but if for some reason they don't listen to the general, mm-hmm. I highly doubt they will. That's insubordination. That's treason. <laughs> we'll have you covered right here on Thunder and Lightning, the most dedicated podcast to Mississippi State nobody else in the land. Ain't nobody else recording at one in the morning. You're doing right. We're here for you every morning. We're like your little security blanket. You wake up, you know, five a.m. You're scared. I know who's there for me, Brian and Joel. Brian and Joel are there for you. Yeah, if we if we talk too long, we might be there with them at five in the morning. Uh, also, want to thank our sponsor, Strange Brew Coffee House. Joel is having a drink of Diet Mountain Dew because Strange Brew was not open at one in the morning. The he official needs, drink of Joel Coleman and Joe Moorhead, and and, and being tired. <laughs> that too. So, uh, Strange Brew Coffee House. I drove past uh, the new Strange Brew built. They're putting up on a uh, on University. It's coming along real nice. I, I imagine. They're just, they're, it's going to be a football season opening day, but that's coming along. And, of course, you know, if you're in, in Tupelo, Mississippi, you can always go to Brupolo, the uh, the second location of the you know the flagship here in Starkville, Brupolo and Tupelo, and we're still waiting on Tusca Bruzla. Bruver. Bruver, Brumingham, Brulana, and New Br- and Brew Orleans. <laughs> That'd be uh, opening day. That needs to be like August 31st down there, right? That'd be fantastic. Or, or that weekend. And that'd anyway. be great for you. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. 11 a, we, we hadn't talked about that, and I, I know nobody cares about it's this. On the we're, show we're, we're going to Super Regional time. Yeah. We're, we're getting there, folks, in just a second. But 11 a.m. kickoff in New Orleans, I bet there's a lot of people not happy about that. I know two people who aren't not happy, and their names are Joel Coleman and Brian Adad. Amen. I'll be at the Oyster Bar by 5 o'clock, buddy. I'll be putting down about 10 dozen. <laughs> no questions asked. Uh, we'll talk about that in the second half. We, I did want to get on that uh, today, along with some recruiting news. Obviously, a big weekend for MSU on that front. But the biggest story, obviously, is Mississippi State. Let's look. I can't picture a college football program making four straight bowl, big bowl games with four different head. Co- First off, having four head coaches in four years is never a sign of success. It's never, never. Do you see that and you're like, well, that, they're obviously, you know. I think about Ar- remember Arkansas State, then like Malzahn was there, and then Freeze, or maybe I got the, the, that a little bit backwards, yeah. but they had like, and then Brian Harson was there, and he went to Boise. They had a little bit of that, but that's Arkansas State. That's not, you know, they're not talking about competing for the national championship. I can't imagine a NCAA basketball program making four straight Elite Eights, with, or four straight, I guess, Sweet Sixteens, yeah. with four different coaches. It just seems improbable to me. And it really should seem improbable in baseball as well, but that's what's happened. MSU, four straight years, four different coaches, four straight super regionals. 
before we get into what happened this weekend, what's that say about Mississippi State as the program? Uh, some people are going to like the way that I praise this a little bit. I think sometimes, well, it's just baseball in general to to say this. This isn't talking about Mississippi State. This is talking about baseball. It doesn't hurt to get a little lucky sometimes. I think that's helped. Um, you know, uh, not taking a darn thing away from a single kid that's ever worn M over S. You know, I think anybody that ever plays baseball knows there's a shred of luck involved in the game. I'm not saying that's the foundation. That's what it says about the program. But that's that's at least a, you have to throw that in there a little bit. It doesn't hurt in baseball to get a little lucky sometimes. Uh, it doesn't hurt in baseball to have a Mike Martin decide to send a Drew Parrish out there in Tallahassee last year, a um, hundred plus pitches after a three hour rain delay and throw him out there, and then you take advantage of that. You know it. May have been a different story had he put another pitcher in the game. Who knows? We'll never know. But it doesn't hurt to get some breaks along the way is what I'm saying. So that said, though, I think that the foundation of this program is just that, I mean, you hear Jake Mangum talk about it tonight. You heard Chris Lamonis talk about it tonight when kind of asked this question. He was like, well, I mean, the expectation of this program is you better win. I mean, <laughs> and I don't know. There's While the program has never won a national title, there is just something about Mississippi State baseball that's just there is an expectation level to get the job done. Uh, and I'll be darned if the last four years come heck or high water, you know, the the, the team has gotten it done. And, and it, it, it is amazing. I, I don't know that there is some, you know, magic one statement that can sum up what, what it means. But it, it like you said, I don't know that there's any other sport. I don't know that there's any other – area that you could ever even see this as a possibility and yet here's mississippi state you got one coach leaves because wants to be the ad you got one coach that leaves because well yeah you got one coach that leaves because they don't want him to be the interim uh they don't want to remove the interim tag they, they think someone else would be better for the future of the pro it's it's been like a just a unique set of circumstances but the thing that hadn't changed is this team just keeps winning and yeah. and i you asked the other day about jake mangum's legacy that's a big part of it there because he has been the constant through what, the whole darn thing. What a quote from him, by the way, when asked about Fortunate Super Regionals. I'd like to think I helped. <laughs> he sounds like some four year old who just, you know, mommy and daddy are cooking and you, they let you put a little salt on the meat. I yeah. mean, I like to think I helped. I mean, but you did a little bit more than that. I'll throw it back at you, though. I mean, it's tough for me to, I guess, put into words because I don't know that I know the answer, but what do you think it says about the program? I mean, just. Can it even be put into words? Is it partly luck? Is it partly like what? What is it? Like it's it's so tough to really explain. It's well. First off, one thing to remember about baseball is this: that you recruit so far out that almost always every guy on this roster. I think the only guy on this roster who did not, who at least in the starting lineup today, who didn't commit to John Cohen was Tanner Allen. Um. So there's something for that. There's something to say for what John Cohen, you know, that 2015 season aside, he was building back to getting getting back to Omaha and being a consistent threat in the SEC. Um, so he deserves a lot of credit for what's on the field today. Because all those guys, Jordan, uh, Westberg, Foscue, Ethan Small, you know, all those guys, even JT Ginn committed to, to John Cohen. So something for that. And, but... At the end of the day, Joel, to me, this is what this program should be. Now, you can't make it to Omaha every year. I know that. But in the Super Regionals, you know, hosting three, you know, two out of every four years, 
maybe even a little bit better than that. That's this is what the program should be. You know, they, the that's what the resources and the fan support and what you the stadium, the facilities, it's what they dictate at this point. Yeah. To be this kind of program. And they are. And here's the thing, I don't think next year there's gonna be a huge drop off. I mean, you return a return a ton of production in the lineup. You're gonna bring Ginn back. You gotta you gotta find some guys around him in the rotation. I mean, you know, uh, Eric Sarantola could be a heck of a ton of potential two, two maybe. And I Brandon mean. Smith and and, and and those guys. So you you know you'll and you'll find some arms. Because you always do, because you've recruit because you recruited a high level. So, yeah, for me that it just it's just this is what MSU baseball should be. This is this is you're almost back to where you were in the '80s, basically, and that's in a much tougher Southeastern Conference. So that really, really does say something. I mean, you hate to say, well, I don't know that you hate to say it, but I mean, the word "deserve" gets thrown around a lot. I don't know what you deserve, what you don't deserve, but right. If ever a program, a team, a fan base deserved a national championship to hang in that stadium, yeah, this is it, right? Should have had one. I mean, like, should have already had at least one. And I've always said that if they had won one in the eighties, they'd have probably won three or four more. You know, they just it just would have fallen into place. I mean, you think about the eighty-five team and Gene Morgan. Think about the eighty-nine team, which was the, the, maybe the best in school history and didn't even get to Omaha. Uh, you know, the ninety-seven team was incredibly good. And they played in a year where four SC, back when there were only six teams in the West, four of them went to the World Series. I mean, that's what the kind of odds you yeah. were stacked up against. Yeah, 20, the, 2016. I talk about that team all the time. Yeah, that team was loaded, and you know, and the 2013 team that played for a national title, you know, wasn't that great in the regular season. So you just don't ever know. This team right now is playing at the right level to, to win a national title. We'll see if they can get there. Who will they be playing next week? That's still a matter of some conjecture. Uh, Stanford and Fresno State will go to the penultimate. Final Monday game. Uh, that game will be played 9 p.m. our time. So if you want to stay up late and watch some West Coast baseball, I think I, I think I might just do that, and uh, we'll find out who is headed to Starkville. They will not announce any kind of times for next weekend until everything is complete. You and, know, and Joel made a good point to me. And, and, and I don't know that I did. I know where you're going with this. Okay, so you, you talk it through then. Well, I, I told Brian originally that if Stanford and Fresno State played on Monday night, this was while the game was still going on. Um, you know, if they ended up playing on Monday night, which they are, that that to me would seem like State would be in line to start a Super Regional on Saturday as opposed to Friday. But last year, State played on Monday in Tallahassee, and State opened up the Super in Nashville on Friday. So last year, State only had the three-day break in between. Uh. So I don't necessarily know that that matters. Um Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. I, I don't know. So in, anyway, I, I'd originally told Brian I thought that maybe since they were playing that seventh game, you know, Monday night, that that meant state states probably got bumped back a day, but that was not the case for Mississippi State last year. So, you know, I don't know that we really will know. You know, we'll, we'll I don't guess we will know or really even have any hints until after the game that's Monday gonna be, night. That's going to be my guess is it might even be Tuesday morning for them because is the are the is the NCA up working at you know you know what, what, what they're in Indianapolis right so what probably one central when all that gets wrapped up I don't know. We'll have to find out. But regard, one thing we do know, the games will be here in Starkville. And I'll tell you something else. They owe us early starts. Yeah. All right, after what happened last year, those were days. And if I'm state, buddy, I'm telling I want to play a West Coast team. I want to play them at high noon. <laughs> I want the sun as high as I can get it in the sky. I want humidity. I want them sweating through their clothes. Let their body clock be at like 9 a.m. 96 degrees and 96% humidity. Bring it. Because state fans are just like, oh, this is another Friday. We'll, we'll be okay. 
Stanford will be out there like, what hell is this that we're sitting in? I didn't know. The the air has weight. I, I feel one of those you know, one of those days where you, you, you walk out of your door and you immediately are sweaty. You know, like imme- you feel it under your arms and on the back of your neck. And meet, that's what I want on Friday, Saturday, no. if you're Mississippi State. <laughs> now, Brian Haydad, could, 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 I could live with 7D and cool, but it's not going to happen. So might as well get the best possible scenario. Jake Mangum breaks out of his uh, slump. Finally, in the final game, the penultimate game of of the regional, and breaks out in a big way. Three for four, two runs scored. Broke out with the littlest nubber you'll ever see, just off the the very tip of the end of the bat. (laughs) I think it traveled, it might not have traveled four feet, but he got, and you had to know, and and you asked him about this, but when he saw the umpire say safe, because it was a close play on that, there had to be a moment of just like, Ugh. yeah. Let's take a deep breath, you know. Yeah. And I like how you kind of responded to that question, just talking about how baseball is a funny game, man. You know, you get, we've been you, hearing that a lot you, recently. You, you get that little number, and then sure enough, next AB base hit, next yeah. AB double. Uh, he really and, ripped and, that double. Yeah. And Chris Lamonis was talking tonight in post game about how the thought crossed his mind to bunt with Jake. After the, uh, I think Gilbert walked or something ahead of Mangum's AB where he got the double. And he was like, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. Jake's back. And sure enough, he, he rips the double. Jake's back. And I know that the big headline of, of Sunday night is State punches their ticket to the Super Regional. Mm-hmm. But for the future of this season, you know, the headline is Jake Mangum's back. Yeah. And, and, and Jordan Westberg is back. back. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they combined for five hits. Westberg has the big uh, two RBI single. Uh, that that broke the game open at five two, and, and gave State the insurance runs they needed. If they're back, this lineup may it may be the best in the country. Well, you're talking about nobody's hitting one through nine. Nobody's hitting lower than two ninety three. I think is what Westberg is hitting. I mean that's pretty doggone impressive. Uh, then you know you look at State. You know obviously Ethan Small was very good. Peyton Plumley was very good. J T Ginn. That's the question we have to find out the answer to. And and. You know, I asked Chris Lamonis, he said, you know, it's way too early to have that kind of information for us. But I have to make the assumption that he is, you know, at the very least, they're going to have to monitor him very closely this week. And honestly, for me... I think you put him game three. Yeah, I mean, and if you can get him at all. Yeah, I mean, I think, he, yeah. I mean, Ethan Small, game one of the Super. I think Peyton Plumley right now, Brian, to me, He's your Peyton Plumley's your two anyway. Yeah, and, and then in a knock on Ginn, it's just that he has he hadn't been the dominant. And this is again, he's never probably pitched this many innings in his life, this deep into a season in his life, this much stress, this much pressure on his arm in his life. Um, and and with the soreness and with the production has kind of gone down a little bit towards the the back end of the season. I think that Peyton Plumley is your number two anyway at this point. Um, he doesn't have the name that JT Ginn has kind of developed for himself over the course of this year, SEC Freshman of the Year, and how how well he did over the first half of the season. So Peyton Plumley is not the, I guess, the star name that JT Ginn might be at this point. But right. production-wise and what you've gotten out of Peyton lately, Peyton is your number two. So yeah. I think for me, I'd go Ethan and then then Peyton and then maybe J, save JT for that that game three situation if you have and, one. and yeah and then you know maybe Brandon Smith if if, and then if JT feel, gets sore or something and it's the opposite of what happened this week in that with Small going game one you feel like okay we're gonna have our bullpen for Saturday and yeah. Sunday so that, that that works out fine you know and I think Small 
honestly, he probably could have gotten another inning out of him last uh, Saturday night, but you didn't really need it at that point. They probably just they didn't feel like they had the need to stretch him at that point. But in a super regional, you might you might just say, look, you know, yeah, go give us seven innings, and, and he's certainly capable of doing that. Yeah, and another thing too, if you save JT for that if necessary game three, you might run into a situation where he didn't have to pitch all weekend if he yeah. went one and two, and he just gets a he weekend gets a little, of rest, a little extra rest. Yeah, that would be the best case scenario, obviously, uh, for Mississippi State. Um, this and this whole weekend, I don't know that it went completely according to script for Mississippi State. <laughs> Obviously, you know, the Friday game, you fall behind a couple times to Southern and you have to come from behind. You end up getting what, you know, on paper looked like it may have been a comfortable win, but it was anything but the whole game. And then, you know, Saturday's game, you get off to that great start. And then, you know, sort of similar what happened to the LSU game in the SEC tournament. It, once they, they made a pitching change in the, the uh, Chippewa, the Central Michigan Chippewa bullpen, I like saying that word, uh, was just really, really good. And they shut MSU down. And then you know you look at Sunday night and Miami gets out to the quick lead on that. Mon- We're not we've underplayed how big that home run was. That was a deep, deep shot to, to dead center. But State comes back and scratches out three runs and gets the lead, and they just hold on to the rest of the way. And but there were still some moments of trepidation there for sure. You know the bases loaded, nobody out. Oh yeah. And you know you're able to get out of that with basically just they gave up the one run. Yeah. To steal your uh, phrasing, uh, MSU relief pitchers tonight really showed their Dorados. The Dorados were they, showing they, off. They, yeah. they came through. And Cole Gordon was spectacular all weekend. He pitched in every game. Uh, two saves. I think he struck out uh, eight batters in, in limited work. Uh, really, really good. Colby White, really good. Lee Belt was the one. He had some trouble here and there. I thought Barlow coming in, when the situation he was in, was that was really tough. You know, He did give up a walk to load the bases, but he got out of the inning. State's infield defense, which has not turned a ton of double plays this year, now, part of that is because State strikes out so many guys. Not a lot of guys get on first yeah. against MSU. But four, I think four double plays in this game, or at least three. I think it was three. Uh, it would have been four except for an overturned call. Uh, it would have had when the, the you see it every day, one, four, six, three double play. You see that all the time. Um, just just not the maybe not the weekend you and I thought you were going to see when we wrapped up recording on, on Friday, except in one – one instance, the results. The results. They yeah. were three and zero, and 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 got through without a scratch. Yeah, yeah. It was an adventure, uh, for sure. Uh, and I don't think I was alone. I'm, I'm sure you kind of felt the same way on on, on Friday. A, a state, you know, you have JT Ginn has to leave after three innings, and then Brandon Smith comes out and is not effective at all. And all of a sudden, you're on your third pitcher in the fifth inning of the first game, and it's a tight game. Uh, it was a six-six game. All of a sudden, you you burn again. You burn Brandon Smith a little bit. Well, Brandon didn't throw much, but and then Lee Belt's throwing a good bit, and you're stuck in a six-six game. I mean, State was a teetering on the on the possibility there of burning a lot of pitching and losing the game. Yeah, I mean that was a a realistic possibility. I was that, telling some folks like at this point, you know, to someone saying, "Are we going to keep throwing pitchers?" Like, it's just survival at yeah, this point. Yeah, yeah. You, you had to win the game. You yeah. had to do whatever you got to do to win this game, and then you you have the comfort factor of saying, "Look." We have Ethan Small tomorrow. He'll get us at least six, probably seven. And if we can get eight, great. But Friday was about – you talk about survive in advance? Yeah. It got to that point. Yeah, someone uh, – I can't remember now who it was – had mentioned something on Twitter about, uh, you know, you should – you know, you might better save this and this and this. And I mean, saving crap went out the window when it became like you might at lose the game. six to six, it was, it's, it's time to win the game. Yeah. you got to win the game. Uh, yeah. and, and to State's ever-loving credit, they did. And, and, and Ethan came out – it was big for State to just jump on them early, four runs in the first on, on Saturday. And 
and yeah, it, it the bats kind of went silent the back half of that game, other than Tanner Allen's homer in the ninth. But but uh, with Ethan on the mound in a four run lead, you hate to just say anything's a certainty in baseball. But if you're up four nothing and you got Ethan Small on the mound, you probably won the game. Yeah, and uh, that was the case. And and then yeah, on, on Sunday, I, I, the headline to me will forever be. Uh, Probably we'll see what happens in the in the weeks to come. But Jake Mangum's back to being Jake Mangum, yeah, and that's, that's and that that's may be the, the key. out of the weekend. Like I said, well, that may be the biggest news of the entire weekend. If he and Westberger back, this team is going to be the favorite to win the national. It doesn't matter what happens in the rest of super regionals. And you know, you look ahead, you look at the top, you know, the seats. UCLA is playing an elimination game on Monday. They got to win to continue. Number three and number four, Georgia, Georgia Tech, they're out, they're gone. Georgia Tech, Charmin Soft, as Richard Charmin Cross Soft would have us believe. Uh, Arkansas, they're advancing. LSU, they're going to get to host a super. So, so glad for LSU. I mean, if anybody deserves something good in this life, if anybody deserved the breaks to finally go their way after all these years of suffering, it was L. God, it just never ends. Let me ask you, how much does your opinion change about Mississippi State going forward? If if, if I told you right here today, JT Ginn is unavailable next weekend. He, he cannot. You, can, you pitch. can probably win next weekend still. But you cannot win the national championship, I don't think. I don't think. Because, I mean, then you're telling me you go to Omaha, you go small, plumly, and then Brandon Smith. It's just not as good. And then who's the fourth guy? Keegan James. I mean, yeah, now now we're, we're getting dicey. I, 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 honestly, at that point, the fourth, it's Cole Gordon. It is Cole Gordon. As good as he is the closer, you got to put him out there. I don't think you have a choice. Or maybe you use Cole Gordon like, we like mentioned Ross Mitchell. Like, like, well, yeah, like Ross or Chad Girado you know, like or whatever. Keegan do like a, a trip to the order. Yeah, and then you let Keegan, you do the old Cor- Trevor Fitz thing. Cole and- gives you a, uh, you know, a good five inning in the middle, and then Colby White and Lee Buckingham. I don't know. I don't know how you play that. Your your best bet is to have JT Ginn. The thing is, I, I agree with you. I mean, that's a humongous blow if you don't have JT Ginn. If you're in Omaha without him, but State's lineup, if it is good enough. To hit their way to a national title. It is. But I, I don't know that I just, they will, and, and that's a dangerous game know. to play when you're playing against the pitching that you'll probably be facing in Omaha because there's a lot of good pitching in Omaha, which a lot of times good pitching beats good hitting. But this dang lineup, it, when it's clicking, man, it is good enough to hit hit themselves to a national title. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see. And I, and I don't know that you know JT won't pitch, but I, I thought it was telling that Chris didn't tip his hand one way or the other. Yeah. You know, when asked that question, he's like, I just don't know. So yeah, we'll see. He didn't say, you know, usually he would t- say, you know, we're optimistic about yeah. this kind of – it was just – his exact quote was, I can't answer that. Yeah. I mean, and, and you know, we appreciate truth, Chris. I didn't knock on, on him. Yeah, I'm just yeah. saying that. No, 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 no. You know, when it came time to talk about Elijah McNamee, he said all along, you know, we're optimistic, we're yeah. optimistic, we're optimistic. And then it happened. And then with JT before, when JT was sore, he was, oh, we're optimistic. He'll There's be nothing fine. to it. He'll, He'll be fine. fine. And he, he pitched. So we, we heard nothing about we're optimistic. That said, I mean, it was also 1230 at night. Maybe he's just ready to get out of there. That's didn't true. talk about it anymore, too. So Lord knows I was. Yeah. So we'll, we'll of course, learn more in the days to come and all right. hear about it here. MSU versus Stanford and or Fresno State. No and. No there's no and, yeah. Be a triple threat, Super Region. This is now a triple threat match, player. <laughs> uh, and that's, it's, it's going to be old school triple threat, though. you got to eliminate both teams to win. Yeah. Not the first one to get a to get a run yeah. on the board. It's an elimination an style. Elimination, ECW style. Uh, yeah. So, that's the baseball. Let's move over to the football. Creeping, 
Cretan, 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 Cretan. All right, let's start with not truly a recruit, but a transfer, and that's Isaiah Zuber. He is indeed coming to Mississippi State. Interesting how this all built up. It just sort of started as a Twitter message board kind of deal. Like, he transferred and people were would we be interested in him? And all of a sudden, now he's a bulldog. And again, and by the way, I don't know if I've seen, I don't know if I if I agree with this transfer. To be totally honest with you, I can't believe that they're just gonna you know after as hard as Stephen Gidry and Osiris Mitchell have worked, they're just gonna bring this guy in. What is this? <laughs> How can they do that? <laughs> yeah, hadn't heard much complaining. Have no, you? God. So that said. Uh, Again, another no-lose situation. If it doesn't pan out, it doesn't pan out. But in reality, this guy should step onto campus and be a starter right away. He caught fifty passes a year, over 50 passes a year ago, which was probably, if I, without looking, is more than the state's top two receivers combined caught um, in an offense that does not throw the ball very much at Kansas State. Bill Snyder not exactly slinging around up there. Um, and, they're, and they're moving to an even more run-heavy offense, which is funny. That's probably one of the reasons he wanted to get out uh, while he could. As a grad transfer, he's immediately eligible. Once again, we've sort of... First off, let's give some credit to Joe Moorhead because you know, after a recruiting season, I gave him a lot of criticism for not just maxing out his scholarships. And I will say this. Even if he had signed the full class, there were players who could have been processed to make room for Stevens and for Zuber. So that's not... you know, it's not, It was not really an either-or situation for me. But... He has been very proactive in getting in work in the transfer portal more than anybody else. And it, it, there's not there's you know don't forget that he got a grad transfer punter back in the in the in the uh, winter signing period. And this there's there's another player, Alan Love, transferring in from Louisville that supposedly everything's on track there as a defensive tackle. So he's gotten four grad transfers. That's pretty impressive. And then with Zuber, now with Zuber and Stevens, I feel like that if State's not better offensively next year, I'm gonna have the full story on Joe Moorhead. But if they're better. And they should be now because you address two of your biggest issues. Then think this is the the ceiling has been raised for this team for me. Yeah, but do you think though? Even if they're better, I mean, you're talking about a couple guys. It's only around for a year, right? <laughs> right, but I mean, I mean, so does your expectations then reset after one season? Well, it just depends. You Back know? to uh, it, you can always bring in another transfer. You know, yeah. bring another wide receiver. But I don't know that that's a path to long term success, though. Just keep hitting up. You know who brings in a lot of transfers? Alabama. Yeah, they've brought in grad transfers and True. had great success with them, um, especially at the receiver position. They have they have gone out and gotten guys. So yeah, it, it's to me it's no different. If they had signed a five star JUCO guy, like you know, who was going to just play one year and then be gone, nobody would say anything. You know, and is that a long term? No, but if you're just getting one or two guys a year, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. That's a that's a good strategy. Bringing guys who are battle tested, talented, you can't go wrong. You yeah. you never go wrong adding talented players to your roster. Yeah, you, you never. It's it really is that simple. D- different sport, obviously, but Austin Riley for the Braves sitting there raking since he's been called up. Former MSU sign well, yeah, MSU signee that didn't come here because he went to to the Braves, but yeah, he's over there mashing for them and and several people on Braves Twitter are like, oh, the Braves need to trade Josh Donaldson, just let Riley play third. No, you know what? Let's just have as many good players as we can have in our lineup. How about that? Yeah. That's kind of, and it's kind of the same thing here with State. You, you never have have too many, you know, good players, and it's the same thing with Tommy Stevens. It doesn't hurt anything to have a 
a guy come in and compete. And if he's the best guy for the job, let him win the job. And and, and here, you know, it doesn't hurt to have as many talented guys right. as possible. So I'm with you on that. And yeah, it's and it's good. It, state got better when Isaiah Zuber decided to come yeah. to Mississippi State. It's just that simple. Um, and then in the long term, MSU added a couple other players. Let's start about the one who's you know uh, committed for next season. That's defensive back Cameron Threat. If you've heard us talk. On this show, we've mentioned him a couple of times. Cornerback out of the the thriving city of Lewisburg, Mississippi. If we have any listeners in Lewisburg, you have a fine town. I've been through it a couple of times. Uh, 5'11", 165. So, okay, you, know, you look at him right off the bat, and you're like, oh, that's going to redshirt. Got some good offers. Kentucky, uh, Louisville, Missouri, Nebraska, Southern Miss, Vanderbilt. Got some, you know, power five offers. Uh, a kid that, you know, he's, from what I can tell, was was a priority for Mississippi State, a guy that that they they liked and they wanted to have on the roster and the commitment in the commitment list sooner rather than later, uh, and they they've got him. And then <laughs> this kid is intriguing. I don't know if you saw this, by the way. State got a 2022 commitment. Yeah, a, a so a kid who is a sophomore in high school. Did you see the kid? No, I did not look at his picture. All right, Jacarius Clayton out of Tupelo, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Now he's listed as a tight end. Are you ready? So he's he's, he's, a, he's going to be a sophomore, so he should be 15, right? 15 or 16 at best. He's six foot five and 245. Let me repeat that for, for clarity. He's six five and 245 at 15. He's no older than 16. So I'm going to make a bold first off, will he sign with MSU? God only knows. It's three years away. Could and if, if if my if the growth pattern holds for the rest of puberty for this kid, he's going to be a monster. I'm predicting right now this kid is like a Chris Jones, Fletcher Cox kind of defensive end. When it's all. he's going to be six five, six six, maybe six seven, and close to three hundred pounds. And if he's already a tight end, he must have some athleticism and some mobility and some speed, right? I mean, just. I may not be alive in 2022. <laughs> I, I hope you are. I hope I am, and I, I'm working hard to get keep that way. But I'm excited to see this. I mean, I don't even care if he plays the same. I want to see what this kid. He's this big at that age. <laughs> Man, you should see when I saw this Saturday night. My, my eyeballs about popped out of my head. I was like, "He's how big?" They list him as a what? Why is he a tight end? There's no way you're telling me that kid's playing tight end for Tupelo High School next year. My God. Kid from 2022. I can't believe 2022 is a year. Like, when I was, you know, what, 15 in 1990, the thought of being alive in 2022 was just like, you know, I thought I might live in my 40s, obviously, but I didn't realize it would be 2022. God. I can't wait to see. I want to see some huddle footage of this kid. Just... I mean, think about last year, he's playing, you know, JV, right? Playing junior yeah. high football. I want to see the highlights of that. I want to see him just running roughshod over some poor five foot five, 160 pound kid from the Columbus High School JV. You got some linebacker out there trying to cover just poor kids. <laughs> like, that's I, where I'm excited. That's where the other mamas are like, he needs to play up. Why, yeah. why is he out there? Yeah. Like, why don't. Don't don't cover him. Just let him go. He scores. We don't care. I bet if Tupelo JV wasn't undefeated last year, something's wrong. 
Something's wrong. Gosh. I think I could have coached the Tupelo JV team. What's the plan? Get the ball to that guy. You just throw it up in the air. I mean, there, who's covering him? <laughs> who is who is within seven inches of him at the age of fifteen? How tall were you? At, you're not. You and I are. I'm five tall. eight right now. How tall so, were you when you were fifteen? I mean, five five. <laughs> Somewhere five, six, between yeah. five five and five I eight. Like five, I was like five nine. Yeah. I grew, and I grew another inch. Ooh. I can't wait to see where this goes. Hopefully, yeah. If he's if he ends up being a bulldog, I, I'm just making a prediction right now that he will be a four high four star, maybe low five star kind of talent. Because at that size, you can't teach that. And I, and it, they don't have. Do they have his forty time listed? Please let please, I, dear eight pound six ounce baby Jesus. Let it be like four. Let it be laser time like four five six. Please. Is it on here anywhere? No, I've been wanting to commit to Mississippi State. I'm reading the uh, the article courtesy of uh, Gene's page. Paul Jones wrote this article. Said he loves Coach Hughes. Oh, he was injured last fall, and that's the only reason he didn't move up to varsity. Ah, uh, okay. Broke his wrist. And he said, uh, <laughs> I just have to keep working because I know it's going to be a lot different from the junior varsity. I, I bet the JV practice squad was really happy he was gone. A bunch of little <laughs> kids getting out there getting run over in practice by this guy. I mean, when you look at the picture of him in the locker room, he looks like he could just go dress out right now for state. I mean, he's just huge. I can't wait to see more of this kid. I'm excited. I don't normally get excited about recruiting. This guy has me like <laughs> my interest is peaked. I'll just say that. So, all right, what a show! Interesting show. Uh, do we? Oh, scheduling. Let's talk about that real quick. Yeah, you mentioned it. Uh, ULL. 11 a.m. in New Orleans, Southern Miss 2:30 here in Starkville, and then uh, Kansas State 11 a.m. Which that, that game sort of sucks, not not because of the time it helps, and obviously it's great for me and you, but there's not a lot of great games that day. I thought State might have a chance to jump up the uh, the, the, the the pecking order a little bit, um, but from a season a year ago where State did not have a single or had one one home uh, day game that was the end of the season at Arkansas, you got two right off the bat. State's home schedule is not very fan-friendly this year. And now you're talking about two of your first home games are in the absolute hottest part of the year. Uh, and then, you know, that Kentucky game, I mean, it could be the SEC Network game, but it's going to be hot there, too. And then you don't get another one. You know, you'll have one between that and the, the November. Yeah. And that's LSU. And then you get the 11, you know, one. you got a, th- a Thanksgiving night game. Just not a great... It's, and you think about it, normally this is the year where the home schedule is most attractive because that's the years you have Alabama, oh, LSU, Alabama, Ole Miss. LSU. And it's just not that way this year. It just isn't. I, you know, and it, so I see, you know, we, we haven't talked about the beer thing, and we'll save that for another time. But this is, you know, there's a reason attendance is dropping everywhere. I mean, that, that's a lot of money to pay to sit in the heat. Yeah. You know, especially if you're talking about you're a family, family of four, you're going to take your kids. Yeah, it's, that's it's, it's rough. I, that's where I, I never I never question it. I, I you don't come to the game. I get it. You want to stay home and watch it on your fifty inch and stay in air conditioning and not deal with the the the, the drive and the the parking fees and and everything else. I get it, man. Uh, yeah, I absolutely get it too. I mean, that's where I've changed from. You know, five six years ago when I just got to be Joel the fan before I was back on the beat, and Katie doesn't have any kids then. You know, it was yeah. it, there's a game. I just I was at the game, I and mean, a lot of times she was with me, and sometimes and you live she couldn't. I, yeah, and I live in town, so uh, yeah, you live near. Well, I say in town, half but you live city limits. not far. Yeah, um, but yeah, when you get two kids, like if I wasn't on the beat now, I mean I wouldn't be at like 
Oh, I wouldn't. Ninety-five percent of this stuff, you know. I, I would. I might go myself. My family would not go. My kids aren't into sports yeah. anyway. But, but like, no, I'm not spending that kind of money to sit there and be griped at about how hot it is and how you want to buy a fifth Coke and a third popcorn. I'm not dealing with that. Yeah, true. Especially football. Like, baseball is actually one of the easiest. Be easier, yeah. Things. Baseball, to go to. yeah, it's different. Yeah, because you can walk around the park or do whatever. Yeah. Um, and it, it's just and tough with ba- honestly to- with baseball, if you leave in the sixth inning. You don't feel like really that bad about it because you didn't make that big of an investment. With football, you got to stay till the end. You know, yeah. it just it, imagine just getting up about halfway through the third quarter. All right, we've seen enough. Yeah, and it's it's not going to happen. So yeah, it's a rough schedule for sure. You know, it's great for us sports writers, but for the uh, the average fan, I I feel your pain on this one. To bring yeah. to bring this pod full circle, get back to baseball real quick. You're talking attendance. You want to bring bring balance. Balance. Yeah, it's back all about that balance. Uh, the only reason I mention this is because somebody just mentioned it to me on Twitter again. Mm-hmm. There have been a lot of people mentioned attendance records and stuff like that at Duty Noble because mm-hmm. the attendance stuff was... And the Saturday game was a new record for, for largest attendance at, at a regional game. Which was 11,000-something. 500. 11.5 uh, five and some change. Of course, the 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 all-time record was the 15,000-something right. against Ole Miss a few years ago. Yeah. And, and everybody keeps saying, is that even possible in this new park? No. So I'll, I'll pose it to you. Is that record ever going to fall? It, it probably could be, but just because think about how much standing room there is. I mean, there's a lot. They could probably fit. I would imagine between the lofts, the left field lounge spots, and the grandstand and the berms, you probably got enough seating for like maybe ten thousand, right? Maybe maybe eleven, maybe closer to it. I don't know. But just think about you know just standing room only, and I'm talking about if you had people standing throughout the concourse all the way around. How many people could you fit in there? A lot. A lot. So it's it's possible. But then you remember, and we always say it, is with the NCAA, they are legitimately counting each person that walks in. Whereas during the season, they're counting paid attendance. Yeah. And it's just different. Yeah. It's just different. So, And, and I, you might have somebody from Mississippi State that would correct me on this, but mm-hmm. I don't think there was 15,000-something in the park that day against Ole Miss. Well, I've always said this. The, the biggest crowd I've ever, I was ever a part of as a fan is the Super Clemson. Regional. Yeah. And there is no way on God's green earth that there was a nut they could have if they put another sta- person in that stadium it would have collapsed. I mean it just there's just no way. And that was two thousand and some odd shy of what they're claiming for the Ole Miss game, which I was at, and I walked around a little bit in the stadium, and it was not nearly as yep. packed that day. It just wasn't. So that's a paid attendance. Not to say there weren't a ton of people at that game. The other thing to remember about that game, and you were talking about like a record crowd going forward is. How many Ole Miss fans were at that game? It's got to be a couple thousand, right? You'd think. Stanford and Fresno aren't bringing a couple thousand. So if we're going to have 15-plus this this weekend, it's got to be all Mississippi State fans, which is unlikely. You know, I'm not saying that there'll be plenty of MSU fans there, plenty of Bulldogs there, but that many seems unlikely. Yeah, you'll have five figures for sure. For sure. All right. So Joel and I will be back in this very same spot about 10 hours from now. We'll see if any news breaks between now and then. But if it doesn't, we'll find something to talk about. Well, we've got our uh, our second foot, uh, SEC preview today. That's right. Dan uh, Mullins, Florida Gators. Oh, yeah. You're going to talk about me. Have you missed me? It's I, been great. I haven't missed you guys one bit. <laughs> I've been down here with Felipe Franks and, and, and Coach Heffesey. What are you doing over there? It's, it's all over the place. So We'll be sure to give it lots of relentless effort and strain. Strain. Just give me that strain. We're going to give each show with great strain. God, I am so happy. I don't hear about strain anymore. I, don't get me wrong. Mullen, there were times last year I missed Mullen because I know they would have won more games with him. But but I didn't miss him on Mondays around noon. I promise <laughs> you that. 
Uh, yeah, so we'll do all that tomorrow. We'll talk. We'll have some more baseball to talk about for sure, and uh, we'll see where it takes us. Guys, have a great Monday morning, and we'll be back with you on Tuesday. For Joel T. Coleman, Woo! I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi Media Production.